Welcome to the show, Local Folk. This is actually my first show. First time on air. I'm very excited to be here. Once again, my name is Stephen Kerrigan, and I have a brand new show here on WSEA, and it's called Local Folk. And uh, basically, it's about folk music, but more importantly, it's about the people that play and participate in the community of folk musicians. Um, basically, what I'm hoping to share with everybody is um, a roadmap on how you two yourselves can experience uh, the folk music in the different ways that uh, my guests have. I do have a guest with me today, my very first. He was actually a teacher of mine, still is. Uh, has taught me everything that I know about folk music. And um, there are t- actually, I'm going to start off by playing a song. He's one of the people on the CD. So this ought to give you a hint as to who he is, who he is and uh, I will uh, formally introduce him when we are through listening. Come up in the morning where the purple lilacs grow where the sun comes peeping into where I'm sleeping and the songbirds sing hello hello I want to wander through the wildwood where the fragrant breezes blow and drift back to New Hampshire where the purple lilacs grow I want to wake up in the morning where the purple lilacs grow where the sun comes peeping into where I'm sleeping and the songbirds sing hello hello I want to wander through the wildwood where the fragrant breezes blow and drift back to New Hampshire where the purple lilacs grow. I want to wake up in the morning where the purple lilacs grow where the sun comes peeping into where I'm sleeping and the songbirds sing hello hello I want to wander through the wildwood where the fragrant breezes blow and drift back to New Hampshire where the purple lilacs grow all right that was actually on a CD called Song of the Seasons, and that was the New Hampshire song. Now, if you're wondering if my guest is uh, Jeff Warner, you would be incorrect, actually. So the question is, who is that mystery man singing with Jeff Warner, the state song of New Hampshire, or at least it's called the New Hampshire song? And I'm uh, going to stop you from guessing. It's actually Bruce McIntyre, my good friend, my teacher, <laughs> and, <laughs> and mentor. And he is here with me on the premiere um, issue of Local Folk, this radio show. Please say hello, Bruce. Hello, Stephen. Very proud to be here as your first guest. Thank you very much. It's a privilege. It really is. Now, um, one question that I have for you, actually. Well, what I want to hope to help people with is how people uh, come to the music. I mean, that's one of the biggest uh, things for me. Is that most uh-huh. people didn't grow up in Ireland, and they didn't grow up on a boat or anything like that. And um, that first song actually illustrates several different ways in which people can come to the music. Uh, Jeff Warner was basically born with a wooden spoon in his mouth from, you know, I don't know where. But he, he definitely grew up with folk, and I would say that that's in contrast to yourself. What do you, what do you say? Well, there's no question. As a matter of fact, that's why I picked that particular song as, a, as an introduction. The question I was asking is, is uh, why was I able to sing with Jeff Warner on that recording to begin with? Uh, his background is one that goes very deep into the folk roots of America. His mother and father were major collectors of folk music in the 1930s and 40s. They have a thousand songs now housed in, li- in the Library of Congress. Uh, Jeff's been singing out of that collection and, and for years with his brother Garrett, but now uh, pretty much by himself. Uh, and it's, it's just an amazing history. When I look at pictures of Jeff that I see in his mother's book on their collection, um, he's... Uh, He's in a room with uh, Carl Sandburg. Um, he's uh, he's watching uh, uh, the menfolk clog on the on the uh, porches down in North Carolina in the hill country down there. Um, I'm probably out someplace uh, um, playing baseball. And I'm sure he did that too. But the point is, is that the the history of his life is really the history of song and, and music in America. And uh, then I asked the question, well. I was I was listening to music too, but it was was a whole different genre, and most of that came out of my mother's generation, which was very different. It was about popular song, so uh, popular song rock, 
Uh, well, in her time, I suppose it was, uh, but not rock and roll as we know it today. Uh, matter of fact, I went back to look at the, at the songs that were popular. My mother was born in 1908, ah. and uh, so she uh, she had a, uh, a repertoire of songs and tunes that she knew that started uh, when she was a young girl. And matter of fact, when she was in the 1920s, when she was when she was a young maiden, she actually played a piano in uh, movie houses to silent movies. <laughs> And so she had a massive repertoire of, of uh, songs and tunes that she knew. And her sisters were uh, loved to sing around the piano. This is what I remember as a, a very young child. Uh, the, the three sisters, my mother playing the piano and the other two standing by, uh, harmonizing all kinds of songs by the, by the, uh, by the piano. And so, but it would be all kinds of, of songs that we still know but, but aren't in the lexicon of, of folk music today like Old Lang Syne and Yankee Doodle and uh, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot and uh, Sweet Adeline and all types of songs that might have been popular in the 1900s, early 1900s. So I grew up with a popular song uh, introduced to me through my mother. Well, that is good stuff. So very, this is what I've noticed, actually, when I've been speaking with people that uh, perform and play music now, is that they actually did have some sort of introduction to it uh, growing up. But this was not folk music that you were introduced to. But, I mean, you know, in retrospect, it seems folky. Well, I thought about that, too. Um, it, it's, I'll give an example. I was watching... Uh, um, um, White Christmas on the on the on, on, a, on a video last night with my wife Jane, and Bing Crosby was singing songs, uh, and the songs that he was singing like White Christmas were really anthems for a whole nation, and they they had a community appeal very much like f- folk music has. We'll get into that a little bit, I hope. And I was wondering why that was, and then I realized that the movie was made just after World War II. And my parents and the, and the and the people that lived through the Depression and into World War II. Um, had a very strong sense of shared music. They sang songs about their their trials and tribulations, and about their their courage, and about the events of the time. And and it, and it was a big community of um, of common purpose. That is, winning the war mm-hmm. and being part of it. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think that after the war, music changed. It became much more individualized. It, mm-hmm. uh, it told individual stories, but I think there was a there was a broad brush being used, and so consequently, many of the songs that were were popular in the 30s and 40s seemed to have the same sort of appeal in the sense that we all could sing them. We all knew the words, and that's very similar to the type of music that we sing here in folk music. So, do you think that it's the, those types of uh, memories that? Um and uh, growing up like that, that um, instantly, um, you know, that brought you to the folk music now. I mean, what happened between then, growing up with your mom playing piano, to um, to today? Well, I think it has to do, all of us have a story, and the story has to be about people. It's not really about the music, it's really about the people we meet that bring us to the music. So... In the third grade, Father Lawless down in uh, Dover comes up and he lines us all up against the wall and he says, Sing Mary Had a Little Lamb. We all did. Any that passed the test oh, were in the boys' choir. <laughs> <laughs> so consequently, I was volunteered to sing at a very early age. Now, my mother always made me sing next to the piano. I could always sing. As a matter of fact, I could always harmonize. I heard the harmonies when I was very young. And I did that for the rest of my life. I really don't see myself as a singer as much as an accompanist and a harmonist. And so uh, uh, Father Lawless uh, inducts me into the, into the choir in that first year. Um, I'm, I'm singing a, uh, a solo at the Midnight Mass on Ho- O Holy Night. And oh. it was probably one of the most frightening experiences of my life. But that, <laughs> that's how things began. And then later on, when I went to high school uh, down at St. Thomas Aquinas, there was a woman there by the name of Sister Gerard Marion. She was a wonderful musician. And... Uh, she and I, we sang all the way through high school. She, we were doing octets and all types of, of uh, different show music, and the culmination of that experience wa- was that uh, I was cast as Mikado in Gilbert, uh, I, I mean, as Nanky Poo in, in, the, in the Mikado of Gilbert, Gilbert and Sullivan. So here we are, we're going I, from I'm Holy Night. To- what the heck is that? <laughs> <laughs> Did you say Nanky Nanki Poo. Nanki Poo. That's right. Um, Nanki Poo is the the young hero of, <laughs> of a wonderful story. 
about uh, he is yes it's a, a, the in the 1880s or so um, in England Gilbert and Sullivan ruled the roost they were the musical form that everyone loved okay and it was all um, uh, theater and mm-hmm. uh, musical theater uh, and so uh, the this particular um, uh, this particular uh, production was the first that that she put on. And we had wonderfully talented people in that school that year. I, I, we actually filled out the the uh, leads and that quite well with uh, really good singers. So uh, Nanki Poo. Yeah, I mean, is that a, is that a play <laughs> that you could go uh, see nowadays, or is it something? It sounds like you know, maybe it's I've never heard of it. I'm sure there's revivals of it somewhere, but uh, and was but, it a big part? Oh, it's huge. Oh, it is. Oh yeah. Is it the main character sort yeah. of? Yeah. What kind of it must be Indian or something or no no it's Chinese oh Chinese the the um the uh, actually was it Chinese or Japanese I think it's Japanese the Uh-oh. the the um uh, the the culture the Eastern culture was very big uh, in Europe during that period of time if you go back and you look at people were wearing kimonos and they were they were dressing in Oriental style and there was lots of Oriental art as a matter of fact Monet. Uh, his house, when you go to visit it, is filled with Oriental um, uh, uh, line drawings huh. and, uh, and and watercolors because they were very taken by the culture. That's the reason why it was there. So anyway, so we see Sister Gerard Murray bringing us to that place. And then yeah. when I get to UNH, uh, there's a whole bunch of other things that occur, and that is we we sing music of the Renaissance and, and we sing uh, classical uh, pieces and I, I hear for the first time medieval music which knocks me right down because I just love the sound of it never heard it before uh-huh. and I'm I'm very very convinced that that um, folk music of the type that we sing today especially out of the Irish and Scottish tradition is very attractive because it has a lot of the same modalities as as as, as the old medieval music so uh, I think I was always searching for the folk music we sing now, and I had a glimpse of it when I was in college, but left it. So all I all I see in my life is all these people that came along and introduced me to different forms of music, and 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 gave me a road map. Uh, I didn't know I was following it; they were leading me down that map uh, to where the music is today. So yeah. You've really been singing your whole life, and it seems like um, you've been singing everything from Gilbert and Sullivan as a Chinese or Japanese uh, person, all the way to medieval music, all the way to uh, all the way through college and, and everything else. Now, now you're a folk singer, and um, there's something different about that, or is it something uh, similar? Would you say? Well, it's 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 similar, but it's different. Um, what the last stop that I made was singing oratorio for a, for a wonderful woman in, in uh, Durham by the name of Meredith Jones. She gave me voice lessons, and she also uh, cued me up to sing uh, all these um, tenor roles in, in oratorios like the uh, St. Matthew Passion and the Creation and Handel's Messiah and, and things like that. Is this why they call you the Pavarotti of the press room? Yes, hmm. yes. They do. <laughs> well, these are all actually it's a little bit over the top, but I would say. <laughs> what? No, no. I mean, no. I well, no. You just you know, you resemble that remark sometimes. I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, for all you listeners out there, I've heard Bruce sing quite a bit. I sing with him sometimes, but um, actually, I think I'd like to move on to another song because you know you've talked about all of these things, but. Um, I remember you telling me a story a long time ago, and I'd like you to share it uh, maybe again after this song, but just about you know the first time that you experienced the, the press room or the session uh, oh, yeah, style like that. that was happening down there. So I'm going to actually play a song called um, Cole Cannon, and it's being sung by the Black family uh, from the album The Epiphany. Uh, is that all right? No. Yes, it's sir? It's just the Black family. This is an epiphany for both of us. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> hey, all right. Well, let's listen to the uh, let's listen to the let's listen to the black family then and enjoy this. 
Or cannon made with lovely pickle cream With the greens and scallions mingle like a picture in a dream Did you ever make a hole on top to hold the melt and flake Of the creamy flavoured butter that our mothers used to make Oh, you did, so you did, so did he and so did I And the more I think about it, sure the nearer I'm to cry Oh, where and then the happy days when troubles we knew not And our mothers made called cannon in the little skillet pot Well, did you ever take a day to cake and boxed you to the school? Tucked underneath your rockster with your books, your slate and rule. And when teacher wasn't looking, sure a great big bite you'd take Of the creamy flavoured soft and melt and sweet potato cake Oh, you did, so you did, so did he and so did I And the more I think about it, sure the nearer I'm to cry Oh, where and then the happy days when troubles we knew not And our mothers made called cannon in the little skillet pot Well, did you ever go a-courting, boys, and the evening sun went down And the moon began a-peeping from behind the hill down And you wandered down the boring where the chloricon was seen And you whispered love and praises to your own dear sweet Colleen Oh, you did, so you did, so did he and so did I and the more I think about it, sure the nearer I'm to cry. Oh, and then the happy days when troubles we knew not, and our mothers made called cannon in the little skillet pot. Oh, you did, so you did, so did he, and so did I. And the more I think about it, sure the nearer I'm to cry. Oh, and then the happy days when troubles we knew not, and our mothers made called cannon in the little skillet pot. All right. That was called Cannon by the Black Family, and uh, I mistakenly called it an epiphany, but uh, maybe not so, because actually, apparently, it very well was an epiphany for Bruce. It was. Uh, the reason why I chose that, I, I brought that song in for you to play, because... My first experience at the press room, my first conversion to folk music, if you would, happened when uh, one night I was standing there listening to the singing and really liking it a lot. This fellow next to me said, uh, Tom, Tom, that's the fellow, that's the, Tom Hall's the guy that runs the session. He said, I've got a friend here, Johnny, from, from Dublin. And Tom says, Hiya, Johnny, give us a song. <laughs> and I looked at him <laughs> and thought, Whoa, what's that all about? So, uh, Johnny rears back and starts singing this song, and I, I don't know it, of course. I, I'm not in the in, in the uh, in the folk music thing. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, 20 people answer him in a in a harmonized chorus, and I passed out, and they had to have an EMT take me out of the room. <laughs> and I was really tired. I, I I was tired of music. I was tired of baroque music. I was t I hadn't sung probably in five or six or seven years, and that was it. That night, I I said I want to do this because I realized that there was a community of song where a guy could come from Dublin and walk into a strange room and sing a song and be part of the community. And it was just an amazing event. So this song that we just played, uh, Cole Cannon, has a lead singer, Mary Black, a wonderful singer, and, a, and her brothers and sisters singing the, uh, the, uh, the chorus, and that's not unusual. You, can, you probably can sing that song any place in the, in the Irish world, and it, that's a lot of the world, and somebody's going to know the chorus. Well, what's really interesting, actually, about that song, first of all, it's about food, you know, mm. which is, um, it's about uh, recollection of a really tasty dish called uh, Colt Cannon, which is always fun. Um, but um, that track that we just played from the Black Family, I don't think really expresses how that song would be portrayed um, at a traditional music session, for example. When you talk about these explosive choruses and everything else, what we just listened to sounded like it could have actually been played at church choir if they were in church for food. Um, but uh, really, um, when you have 50 big voices at a pub, you know, blasting out the chorus, it's quite a different thing, correct? It can be. It can be beautiful. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> it's not. 
But it's not about that, is it? It's about the energy. It's about the community. You're right. It, it's uh, the the form is there, and that's what I like so much. I like the idea that that if you learn a song and you lead it, more than likely other other people will join you on it. And yeah. that's the whole. That became the quest. Yeah. Um, hundreds of songs later. Um, it's it's like learning a new language. You can walk into a, a pub or a session any place and sing a song and and know pretty much that you're going to have a big response. Is it's it just a wonderful? Is thing. it addicting to you more so than other forms of uh, music? Does that get you going? When oh yeah, I mean the other thing I like about it is is that you choose your own. Uh, you, I guess uh, your own musical quilt. You're putting together the songs that you love and you want to share with other people. And there's another rule at the press room that I really think is so smart. It, if I bring in a song like Colcannon and sing it, nobody else will sing it after that moment. And everybody says, oh, that's very exclusive, whatever. Mm-hmm. It really isn't. What it is, it makes everyone mm-hmm. work harder to find all the songs that are out there that are worth singing rather than having a few that everybody wants to compete on. So not only do we have many songs to sing... We have uh, an incentive to go out and find those songs for each other, and I, I just, I just, and we all support. Like if if somebody comes in with a song that I really like, um, I'm, I want to be part of that chorus. I really want to help that singer out because they've done a good job at bringing a great song in. So that's part of the the folk process that I really like. Hey, um, let's talk about this this session a little bit, and especially um, the leader of this session, uh, Tom Hall. I'd like to play a song that you brought in uh, by him. Is there anything that you'd like to say about this particular song before I go ahead and play it? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to... Uh, Tom Tom has been running the session at the press room now for almost 30 years, and uh, in the last few years he's, he's hit a bit of bad luck in as much as his voice has been taken away because of some illness. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I heard him sing for years. He's a wonderful singer, and his repertoire of songs is unmatched. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is one of the first songs that I heard him sing, and it's uh, it brings back a lot of memories, but also uh, uh, gives us something to talk about after we we listen to it. Yes, why don't we go ahead and listen to that? This is called "Off to Sea Once More," a bottle full for the shantyman. <laughs> When first I landed in Liverpool, I went upon the street. My money at last I spent at fast, yet drunk as drunk could be. And when my money it was all gone, it was then that I'd want more. But a man must be blind to make up his mind to go to sea. I spent that night with Angeline, to drunk to roll in bed. Me watch was known, me money too, in the morning when she fled. And as I roam the streets above, the horse they all did roar. Here comes Jack Spratt, the poor sailor, he must go to sea. Sometimes we're catching up with hills, my boys. 
It was then that I wished that I was dead or safe with the girls on shore. see once more. Wow, that was unbelievable. You know, I don't think I've ever uh, heard uh, Tom Hall sing um, you know, like that before. No, and his his songs when I first came to the press room were a guiding light. He he really does an awful lot out of the British um, British tradition and uh, also out of maritime and seafaring. Uh, so my remembrance when I first got to the press room was uh, Tom singing and the clarity with which he did the songs, but also the authenticity with which he sang them. It was really a great treat. And, again, as, as I said before, this this whole process of coming into a particular genre of music yeah. is about people. I mean, yep. it's certainly about the songs, but you find the songs through people. Yeah. And so Tom has laid out this great repertoire of songs that uh, have become available that, that I've heard and know and love. Um, so... Uh, uh, he also introduced me to many, many different... Uh, the first thing he did, I, he said, you're coming into the press room, here's what I want you to do. I want you to listen to Ewan McCall. I want you to listen to the young tradition. I want you to listen to the Watersons. And I did, and I was absolutely shocked, particularly by the Watersons. It was really a rough sound. It was very, very different than anything I'd ever heard before. And at first, I thought it was a joke. Mm-hmm. And uh, recently I had a, a little discovery. I went to do a little research on the Watersons, and it had always been my impression that the lead singer was an old fellow, probably in his 60s, who was groaning out some notes over the kitchen table. And I found out later that he was uh, the, whole, the whole group of the Watersons as they sing were in their 20s. But they had very <laughs> old voices. Very, They, they were um, uh, working-class folk from England, and they... Uh, uh, they had uh, this really roughness about them that was quite intriguing. As a matter of fact, now I prefer that to the to the other s- sounds, to the more hmm. commercialized hmm. sounds that folk music can take on. Well, anyway, he, this whole roadmap, uh, Ewan McCall and his wonderful songs, uh, he's just a giant. You could spend a whole lifetime just collecting Ewan McCall material. So so Tom was a place where you found direction, and, and that was his great gift to us. Well, see, that's why he's the leader, right? He's the leader. <laughs> oh, boy. So he introduced you to an ocean of songs. You walk in there one day, and you get bowled over by a big wave of sound. Mm-hmm. He gives you an ocean of songs. And uh, then he introduces you, maybe, or uh, within the context, uh, to uh, other people that are there. One of them is uh, Dave Bem. Indeed. And David David's really a shining star. He's uh, very missed. He, Dave died, is it three years ago now? Around around this time of the year, around around December, and uh, David was the real soul of the session. Uh, he had been with Tom ever since the beginning of it, and uh, he was just amazing. And uh, David had a particular penchant for songs that he had learned that weren't quite um, uh, quite in the mainstream of of the, of the traditional songs. I brought in a thing called uh, the Cucumber Song, which I sing now. And uh, it would be really good to take a listen to that. But uh, his uh, the, the story behind the song is very interesting. His his mother uh, used to sing it to him as a child, and so it's a music hall song. And in a few moments, I'll, uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about Dave's Dave's life and how he presented it on his last recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, uh, the music, the life, um, 
the people are all mixed up in, in Dave's music. You just it isn't just about songs, but uh, listen to what he likes to sing and his mother taught him. It isn't song. just about songs. Okay, well, why don't we listen to it right now? The cucumber song. Cucumber and on my wedding day, when the fun was over and the guests had gone away. My old darling said to me, you must be hungry, Joe. Is there anything you fancy? I said, fancy, don't you know? I like pickled onion. I like pickled meat. Pickled cabbage is all right with a little cold meat on a Sunday night. I can go to Martinson's, what I do prefer. It's a little bit of cucumber, 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 little bit of cucumber. I went flying through the air with my old college chum. He turned around and said to me, We're bound for kingdom come. Have you any last request before you wear a crown? I began to shake and sat right this confession down. I like pickled onion. I like pickled meat. Pickled cabbage is all right with a little cold meat on a Sunday night. I can go to practices what I do prefer. It's a little bit of cucumber, cucumber, little bit of cucumber. To the Lord Mayor's banquet. I went on one foggy day And when I saw the grub It turned my appetite away Sparrow grass and chaffinches And pigs had stuffed with jam I told the waiter there You don't know who I am I like of married life have brought me lots of joys I've got six or seven girls I don't know how many boys when the last one came to town I looked at his forehead it bore the mark of a cucumber this is what he said I like pickle onion I like pickle my name is Stephen Kerrigan, and you are listening to the program Local Folk, where we um, talk about folk music, and we listen to folk music, and we talk to the people that are playing it, and uh, I just finished playing a song called The Cucumber Song. Uh, that was sung by David Bem, and that was off the album Hellfire and Bem Nation, a musical memoir with David Bem. Uh, David Bem actually passed away a few years ago, and this is something that they did. Um, you know, they made a, a, this recording before he passed away as a as a tribute to him, and I think it's just awesome. What a big, loving guy. He's a wonderful yeah. man. <laughs> Well, again, when you talk about music and who has given it to you, who's brought these songs to you, the, the songs take on the personality of the, of the people. I think that's part of the community of folk music, too. It's one-on-one. Jeff Warner, who I really respect and admire for all of the music that he's brought to us at the press room and all the singing he's done around the world, um, always says that folk music, um, the higher the stage, the further away you get from folk music. And folk music is supposed is supposed to be between me and you. It's supposed to be over a table. It's, it's supposed to be shared with people in the room. So uh, David was a, an exponent of that. He was just the, the ultimate folk musician from that point of view. You know what Jeff Warner might also have said about that song? I think I know. <laughs> I 
think he might say, you won't hear that on AM radio. No, sir. <laughs> How ironic. Well, it's, it's, it's really true. I mean, the, the, the things that, that we do as folk musicians, traditional folk musicians, are very odd. As a matter of fact, it's, it's a little eddy of music that is kept alive by the enthusiasts like mm-hmm. you, like me, yep. and other people that, that have given us the music and, and, and people to whom we will give the music. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a friend of mine, Ken Kiesler, who's a world-class conductor. He, um, he, he's conducted major symphonies around the world, and he's a professor of orchestras at Ann Arbor, one of the most prestigious music schools in the world. Now, he's been to the press room a number of times. And he loves it. And hmm. he loves it because of its heart, mm-hmm. because of its community, mm-hmm. because of the setting of the song. Mm-hmm. So it, it's to be taken seriously, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So David Bem has uh, given us this wonderful uh, uh, choice of songs. What happened is at the time of his death, some of us began singing his songs. I sing that song. I'm learning some of his other songs now. Uh, I know that uh, David Hollowell and uh, and Alan Eaton also do mm-hmm. um, Two Magicians, mm-hmm. which, is, That's which, a great one. which is another song that David did all the time. Mm-hmm. We're trying to keep the songs alive, but mm-hmm. we also keep the memory of David alive as we sing them. So that's, it's, I think that's peculiar to the the, uh, the type of folk circle we we we, we sing and and, mm-hmm. and play and enjoy uh, ourselves in. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You know, I actually met my wife uh, for the first time at David Bem's. Um, memorial service i didn't know that yeah well you know i mean we didn't start dating at that point in fact i i don't think she liked me very much but mm-hmm. i, I didn't run into her till i didn't run into her <laughs> until later i mean i wasn't half the man i am now of course but <laughs> but that's all her fault <laughs> she made me well you're quite something now well thank you thank you um but um well, anyways, just speaking of family and community. Hey, um, let's go on to another uh, subject, actually, and that would be not singing but tunes. Mm-hmm. Is that where we're going? Um, yes. There's another gentleman around here, Bob Abrams, and um, now he is the maker of, of uh, musical instruments, correct? Yes, Bob is, 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 uh, is, a, is a local musician who also happens to be a very talented luthier. And he makes mostly mandolins, but he, he's been known to make guitars. And uh, matter of fact, I own one of his mandolins. If you're listening, Bob, um, uh, so far I've only been able to use it to keep the window open in the summertime, but I'm learning how to play it, I promise. They're beautiful instruments, and they, they have to be given uh, uh, a lot of usage in order to really make them as uh, to be worthy of owning them, which I will do. But anyway, the... Uh, uh, Bob used to come to the press room a lot. He doesn't now. He's he's busy and he's off on other fields. And I know that he makes some, uh, the scene up in Concord once in a while and plays with some pretty pretty talented uh, Irish um, players. But I remember that when I first came to the press room, Bob was one of the instrumentalists there that was playing a lot of the tunes. So I thought it would be good to sample some of the gifts that he gave into the community that we learned from. Because once you hear these songs, they mm-hmm. come out of the earth, they get into your bones, mm-hmm. and you want to be able to play them. So what do you do? You get a guitar, you get a drum, you get some bones, you try the whistle, you do anything you can to be able to participate with the players also. Mm-hmm. So uh, we th- I thought I'd at least uh, uh, give a little bit of sampling of what Bob brought to the table. Oh, absolutely. And all the other tune players out there, actually. Uh, the one, the, the track that we're going to play is called The Eel in the Sink and The Boys of Malin, I think, uh, from A Fool's Advice. So it's actually two tunes that we're going to do. Let's listen to this.
Oh, right on. That was Bob Abrams. The eel in the sink and the boys of Malin. They go well together. They do. And there's also a few other really good musicians on that uh, that CD with him. David Strett's one of them. And, ah. Uh, so we have some... Uh, I, I can't remember all the all the personalities there, but they're friends of Bob, and uh, it's a it's a it's a very very um, very very high high quality recording. So that's a high quality recording. Now you listen to these uh, types of high quality recordings, and then you said, "I can do this." <laughs> no, I didn't say that. <laughs> I said I probably will never be able to do that. Okay. We can aspire to it. Um, but what happens is, again, folk music is lovely, and I think this is the reason why I like it so much. Yep. Uh, it, the, the music pretty much accepts you where you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we go to a session, for instance, we find that there's all levels of talent and, and expertise. And it, it isn't all about how well you can play. It's also about um, uh, sincerity, enthusiasm, community, uh, giving and taking, that sort of thing. But uh, but I guess the press room is a very unusual place because what happens there is we have a, a pretty much a uh, an equal distribution of tunes and songs, and that's very unusual. Usually, um, singing sessions are singing sessions, and tune sessions are tune sessions, and never the twain shall meet. But in this particular case, in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, at this time, there's this wonderful little um, uh, place where you can go and 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 do both and and be accepted into it. But uh, everybody does it at their own level. Uh, oh, we just listened to those guys go at it. Now, um, uh, why don't we listen to something that you've done in, in your past? You said, man, I'm going to do this. I think that's kind of, you know, you and someone from the, the press room got together and started making music. That's Dave Hallowell uh, for quite uh, quite some time. And that all spawned from this. So you, right. you know, Dave and I came into the press room almost exactly the same time. It was around 97. Matter of fact, that's about the time that Jeff Warner came in. And... Uh, What's interesting about it is my friend Will Grimes was listening to the, the beginnings of this, this new musical interest that I had, and he bought a CD for me, and he brought it to my house. It was Andy M. Stewart, and I've sung a lot of Andy Stewart songs because of that. So here's an example where you collect folk music from, from friends who aren't necessarily um, playing the music, but they're interested in what you're doing. They're suggesting things that might be for you, and he was absolutely right. Yeah. So when Dave and I started playing together, uh, we we did a lot of Andy Stewart's uh, songs, and rather than have Andy sing uh, one of the songs that Will had given me, I decided to take the plunge and let an, an older recording of of David Hollowell and Bruce McIntyre doing that song, and it's uh it's fun to listen to. So here it is. It's uh let's see, what is it? Uh, what did I bring in? Banks oh, it's of the, the Banks Lee. of the Lee. Yeah, yes, this is the by... Banks of the Lee. It's a uh, it's a um, song by Andy Stewart, uh, sung by. Bruce McIntyre. And David Hallowell. And David Hallowell. Here we go. And every power, every 
Boy, that was great. Uh, we just were listening to Banks of the Lee from Hallowell and McIntyre, actually, and then we went right into Bridget Cruz and uh, also Third Air from the Angel Band, the uh, album entitled County Meath and O'Carolyn Sojourn. That song right there is um, almost sounds like classical music. It's uh, it's so beautiful. And um, the Angel Band, Dave Bem was part of that, uh, Bob and, and Mary Paul, who we've performed with as well. And that's just some uh, some really good stuff. I just want to let you know, my name is Steve Kerrigan. This is the show Local Folk. And it's going to be on every Monday now from uh, 7 at night till 8 o'clock at night. We're going to be talking to a lot of people. They're going to be um, sharing with us how they came to be part of the wonderful tradition around Portsmouth that is the uh, traditional music. Uh, I know my guest today, Bruce McIntyre from the Press Room, and um, a session that they have down there on Friday nights, um, and also because we performed together, and he actually taught me how to sing, and all kinds of other things. Um, we only have a few minutes left. Uh, Bruce has actually shared a lot of awesome information to us, and uh, part of my intention is to help create a, a roadmap for people so that when they hear this stuff, they say, hey, you know, that's not totally unlike... Um, you know, uh, my experience in, in some ways, uh, I think I'm going to go down and try to find some traditional music and listen to it and uh, enjoy it. And you can listen to it here and hear the stories. And there's all kinds of places around the Portsmouth area that you can do that. Um, so the last song that we're going to play is actually called My Lady of Autumn. And it's actually called, um, well, it's considered a parting song or it's used sometimes as a parting song. Uh, Bruce, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it brings us back to mother. When I was a young boy, and my parents used to put me up in the bedroom at the Ledger's house, and there'd be a party downstairs when people would be dancing uh, to an old 78 Victroller of all things. And But anyway, at the end of the evening, there would be about an hour of singing around the piano. My mother would play, and all these people would sing songs from World War II mainly. And the very last song of the night was a parting song. Uh, they used to use um, Now is the Hour, which is a moray uh, uh, native of New Zealand's uh, uh, parting song when the men used to go off over the reaches of ocean in their outrigger canoes this was a, this was a song that was sung at their, at their leaving with the hope of seeing again all the people who have gone away and come home safely and so uh, at the press room every Friday night we also have such a song we end with a parting song with the hope that we'll all see each other again next week and we've used this particular song for a while now um, it is a, uh, uh, a wonderful, wonderful uh, song that I was introduced to by um, uh, Jeff Warner, Lady of Autumn. It's written by David Weber, a friend of his who now uh, who's lived in, in England and, and sings there. Well, uh, what a what a great thing! We have about two minutes left, so we're going to leave you with Lady of Autumn. Um, Songs of the Season is the album that it's on, and it is a is a parting song from uh, Bruce McIntyre and, and Jeff Warner. Once again, my name is Steve Carrigan. You've listened to Local Folk. We will see you next week, um, where uh, and week after week, where we're going to have many, many amazing guests and lots of great music. But uh, until then, I'll leave you with this. My Lady of Autumn, sing me your song, play me your tune. Tell me I'm wrong Tell me you don't mean the things that you say Tell me that we'll find a way Your eye clear as winter Your touch fresh as spring Your way like the summer Free as birds on the wing But the seasons are changing It's time you were gone But the colors of you will go on My Lady of Autumn Sing me your song Play me your tune Tell me I'm wrong Tell me you don't mean the things that you say Tell me that
that we'll find a way. The fields that were golden are changing to brown. Leaves that were green tumble to the ground, and the warm sun of summer makes way for the snow. I know it's time you must go, my lady of autumn. Sing me your song. Play me your tune. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me you don't mean the things that you say. Tell me that we'll find a way. For the light it is changing, the sky's overcast. Winter is here now. Autumn is past, and deep in this dark world, some warmth I must find. Though it's winter in the valley, it's still autumn in my mind, my. Sing me your song, play me your tune. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me you don't mean the things that you say. Tell me that we'll find.